What's your dream? How can you advance the kingdom of God? What can you do that would make this world a better place in which to live? Your depression and your discouragement will lift as you have a redemptive dream in your hearts. What is a thief of hope? Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. You've heard it said that you can live 40 days without food, three days without water, and about eight minutes without air. But did you know that we can't live one second without hope? Today, David shares some practical ways to prevent hope killers from invading our lives in part two of a message called Endure. Now, never forget my daughter, Bethany, at around 15 years of age, sitting with Marilyn, looking at her and saying, Mom, I want your life. And we all laughed. Yeah, right, Bethany, come on. You got to go to college. You know, you got to dream big. No, I want your life. That's my dream. And that's a big dream. Today, Bethany is a mother, a wife, and helping her husband build a strong church for the glory of Jesus Christ. She's living her dream. It's the dream God laid on her heart. It's the right dream. So what's your dream, young people? What's the dream for the advancement of the kingdom of God that God's called you to do that's well beyond just simply trying to entertain yourself here? Your depression and your discouragement will lift as you have a redemptive dream in your hearts. How about you who have some gray hair? Well, I'm nearing the end of my life. I'm going to spend my life in retirement playing golf. Oh, that's a great dream, huh? Well, let me share with you something. God doesn't give you a pass because you get gray hair. Older people should have dreams. And some of the greatest older people in the history of humankind have had huge dreams. Winston Churchill became prime minister of England at the age of 71. He basically saved Western civilization from Nazism. Ronald Reagan, some consider a great president, became president of the United States at the age of 70. Interestingly, Harlan Sanders, the inventor of Kentucky Fried Chicken, isn't it good? Oh, man, I can't eat it, though, anymore. I mean, it's so good, though. Wow, finger-licking good. That advertisement was paid for by finger-licking good Kentucky Fried Chicken. Anyway, he began the whole franchise at the age of 66. 66. Ray Kroc began the McDonald's franchise work at 52. Grandma Moses, considered one of the greatest painters in American history, Painted her first picture at the age of 78. She painted into her 90s. Doris Hudak, never heard of her, have you? At 94 years of age, she didn't like all the laws that allowed campaign finance to be given big bucks to political candidates. So she marched from Los Angeles to New York at 94 years of age asking for campaign finance reform. And then she ran for a House of Representatives office in 2004 at the age of 94. She didn't win, but she ran. At least she pursued her dream. You can't get a pass just because you're a little bit older. What's your dream? As you've now retired, maybe. What's your dream? How can you advance the kingdom of God? What can you do? that would make this world a better place in which to live. The secular world knows the importance of continuing to have personal hope and dreams. Derek Jeter, the great shortstop for the New York Yankees, when he was nine years old, wrote a paper 
in elementary school saying that his dream was to play shortstop for the New York Yankees. Then he began to feel guilty. Oh, I can't do that. That's too big a dream. So he went to his parents and he said, I'm supposed to write an essay on my dreams and I want to be the shortstop for the New York Yankees one day, but I'm just not sure now. And interestingly, his dad said to him, son, it's up to you if you want to change your essay, but don't do it unless you've changed your dream. Derek Jeter was ultimately drafted by the New York Yankees. Interestingly, in his first 47 games in the minor leagues, he was batting 202. For those of you who aren't baseball aficionados, that stinks. And in his first 49 chances at shortstop, he had approximately that many errors. But he wouldn't give up. He wouldn't give up. And he continued to work hard. He continued to pursue his dream. And many of you sports fans know the rest of that story. In 2019, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer in Cooperstown, New York. George Lucas experienced failure after failure after failure until finally the Star Wars idea came about. He has exhorted so many people, don't give up your dream, keep dreaming. And by the way, have you, have you heard the news that, that maybe Luke in the, in the new movie turns evil? Luke Skywalker turns evil? Say it ain't so. I'll tell you after I see the seventh edition of Star Wars. Children understand the hopes of dreams. We should too. Dear friends, we can live 40 days without food. We can live three days without water. We can live approximately eight minutes without air, but we can't live one second without dreams. We can't live one second without hope. What's your hope today? What's your dream today? Don't give up. And here are some hope killers in case you don't know for your personal dreams. Here's the first one, feelings. You get feelings of discouragement or depression or disappointment. Dear friends, in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Paul adjures all Christians to put on the helmet of hope. I love that. Don't you understand? Your feelings are responders to what you think. If you're feel it, filling your mind with depressed, discouraging, unredemptive thoughts, that's what you'll feel. So put on the helmet of hope and realize God is bigger than anything you may be facing. And also, learn how to speak to your feelings. In Psalm 42, verses 5 and 6, David must have been going through a discouraging time. And here are his words. Why are you downcast, my soul? You put your hope in God. Every single one of us all day long is experiencing self-talk. Every single one of us, we're talking to ourselves. And you're filling your mind either with words of discouragement, depression, and hopelessness, or you're saying like David, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? You put your hope in God. You got to do that. I do it all the time. I speak to my feelings. I say, you quit feeling that soul because that's where your feelings come from. You put your hope in God because God is greater than any obstacle you may be facing. Second, circumstances. Best example of that is Abraham and Sarah. He got into his 90s, she into her 80s. No boy. Promise had happened, no boy. Been a decade, no boy. Two decades, no boy. 
And listen to these words in Romans 4. Abraham, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. She was 90 at the time. No, unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He didn't focus on his feelings. He didn't focus on his body's barrenness or Sarah's barrenness. He focused on the promise of God. And folks, if God has given you a promise, God cannot lie. Therefore, your dream cannot die. If God has given you the promise, God cannot lie, and your dream cannot die. So seek him and know what he's told you, and don't look at your feelings, and don't look at your circumstances. Waiting is the third problem, the third hope killer. We just wait and wait and wait and wait. Look at Habakkuk 2.3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. If God has given you a promise, it will come to you at his appointed time. And all your whining and griping and complaining ain't going to change God's appointed time. But you wait for it. And you wait for it with hope. Listen to this. God can change your hopeless, despairing situation like that. Marilyn's and my son, Michael, had a dream to swim collegiately. But for many years, even into his middle school years, he just wasn't doing very well. He went into his junior year, and nobody was interested in him. He had not made a junior national cut, which is the big event that the good swimmers go to that get noticed by the colleges. He swam in his last hope event, right before his junior year, hoping that somehow he could make a junior national cut. Finally, on the last event, on his last swim, he made a junior national cut by .25 seconds. .25 seconds. My son's entire life was changed by 2.5 seconds. And God can do the same thing for you. You may have been waiting, but when that appointed time comes, it may only be 0.25. It may only be 0.05. But when God is ready to move, he moves. And our responsibility is to wait in hope, not despair. Next, hope killer is fear. It's the fear that we won't succeed, the fear of failure. We hide ourselves from the world because we just don't want to fail. And God doesn't like it when we do that. He's given every single one of us gifts. You're not responsible for my gifts. I'm not responsible for yours. But we all are responsible for what God has given us and the dream he's called us to accomplish with his gifts he's given us. But if we become paralyzed in fear, hiding ourselves away, God becomes frustrated. He wants us to use his gifts for his glory. There's an old legend about fear and plague going to Baghdad to kill 100,000 people. 
Someone met them on the road to Baghdad, and they said to Plague, oh, are you going to kill all 100,000? He said, oh, no. I'm only going to kill a few hundred. Fear will kill the rest. There's nothing that destroys dreams more quickly than fear. Fight fear with faith and hope because God's dreams are bigger than your fears. And the best way to conquer your fears is take one step. Folks, just take one step toward your dream. Just one step is success. But don't be paralyzed by fear. And also there is people as one of the faith hope killers people. Ever been to the beach and had a bucket and dropped a bunch of crabs in it? And one tries to crawl, crawl out and the rest reach up and pull them back down. Tries to crawl out again, the rest reach up and pull them back down. It's called the crab pot mentality. If you've ever been to New Zealand, they call it the tall poppy syndrome. If one poppy is a little taller than the others, they lop it off. People can kill your dreams. Um, I had the privilege of interviewing Will I Am one time. He's one of the singers for the Black Eyed Peas. I think we got a picture of Mr. I Am. It's really William, Will I Am, okay? I was interviewing him one time in front of hundreds of teens, and I asked him, didn't he have a good voice, by the way? Tonight's going to be a good... Anyway, okay. Anyway, I asked him, I said, Mr. I Am, um, if these kids out here have dreams, but they have friends who are trying to destroy their dreams, what would you tell them? He paused for a second and said, I'd tell them to get new friends. And if you out there have discouraging people in your life, thwarting your dreams with their words and their attitudes, trying to drag you back into the crab pot, you tell them where they need to go in the name of Jesus and crawl out of that crab pot and make your dreams come true and surround yourself with encouragers who will help your dreams come true. We all need personal hope, but there's something else we need. It's called eternal hope. Let's go back to verse 2. Remember I told you that some of the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus is we're forgiven forever. We have peace with God and in our hearts. We have access to the Father now through Jesus. We can go to him anytime, place, ask him anything. We stand firmly in our relationship with him, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? We celebrate regularly, daily. We're going to heaven. If you want to deal with your fears, deal with the worst one first. The worst one is death. So accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The minute you do, you realize that when you die, it's not death. You're merely stepping into eternity. Christians never die. We're merely translated into another kingdom. It's called eternal hope. And I'm asked from time to time, can you lose your salvation? Well, let me ask you this question. What sin can you commit that would cause God to take away his grace. I mean, there was no sin you did beforehand that prevented God's grace from giving, being given to you, was there? Come on, talk to me. Was there? No, of course not. 
If there was no sin you committed that kept God's grace from coming to you, what sin can you commit for God's grace to be taken away from you? Besides, Jesus said so clearly in John 10, no one can snatch you out of my hands. No one. And Paul said in Romans 8, 38 and 39, neither life nor death nor angels or principalities, blah, 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 can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I looked up the word ever. It means ever. Nothing can ever separate us from him. Nothing. So you have, and I have, who trust in him, eternal security and eternal hope. Wow. What a great message. Got one more thing to say. Paul said, really, he said, this kind of hope does not put us to shame. This kind of hope does not disappoint us. It doesn't disappoint our personal dreams. You know, I had a dream in high school to play in the NBA one day. I never did. But I played in the European professional leagues for three years. My daddy always said to me, David, shoot for the stars. He said, you might only land on the moon, but you've never been to the moon before. Folks, shoot for the stars. So you might not get that, but I'll bet you where you did end up was a place you've never been before. And you can celebrate it for the glory of God. And remember, just starting is a success story. Just beginning that first step toward your dream is a success story. And if God has given you the promise, God cannot lie, therefore your dream cannot die. And finally, remember your eternal hope. Your eternal hope. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to talk about today's Davidism. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, Thank you, Mark, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry and and more importantly about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and we play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young, young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 
298-9027. I would encourage folks too, to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org. And there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you for being with us today. Hi, Jen. I hope you're doing well. I am. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you wrote a Davidism about how a true friend wants your kids to succeed. You know what, Jen? The Bible talks a lot about the need for close friends in our lives. Uh, We see many different biblical characters who had close friends and how they were a blessing to them. I love that verse in Proverbs 18, 24, where it says we all need a friend who's closer than a brother. You know, somebody who really walks with us in life, cares for us, loves us no matter what. Well, I get asked sometimes, well, how can I know when I have a friend who's closer than a brother? What are some evidences of that? Well, two things come to mind. First of all, a close friend wants you to succeed. They're not threatened when you have success in your life. They don't have envy or jealousy. They're not constantly comparing their lives to yours. If you have someone in your life who's jealous of you, that's not a true friend. It's someone who will cause you pain later on. So a true friend wants you to succeed. But here's the key point today. A good friend wants your kids to succeed. Mm. You know, we oftentimes are threatened by the success of other people's kids. And when they succeed, we feel threatened because we think somehow our kids aren't going to succeed without realizing that God has gifted every individual in different ways. And just because your friend's kid has success in this area doesn't threaten your kids and not having success in that same area. So a true friend really does want your kids to succeed and rejoices whenever that happens. I know that whenever my kids have had a success, when I get a text from a friend who says, way to go, so happy for, you know, which whatever one of your kids had a success, for their success, it touches my heart. And I know that's a true friend who is closer than a brother. This is so good. This is something that I've actually realized. I didn't know I was so competitive (laughs) until I really, you know, had kids. You're starting to grow up and become athletic and, and express themselves through sports and different things. And one of the things last year I felt the Lord challenged me in was in this area. And I felt like the counter to that was to me, start building up my friends who Mm. I feel a little competitiveness with about our kids and start building up those kids. And so I take to heart Ephesians 4.29 and build up people around me. Even if I'm not receiving that from them, I can start and step in the direction of building them up to, to counter that competitive spirit. What a great example, Jen, that what people can do is list out the friends they have and their children's names. And when they hear of a child's success, to tweet them or text them and say, hey, way to go. Really happy for your kid's success. It defeats that competitiveness in your own heart and allows the joy of the Lord to consume you. That is so good. This is so practical, such rich advice for us right now. Thank you so much for these thoughts.
thoughts. Yeah, and you know, the unconfessed hidden sin that few of us ever want to realize but is in all of our hearts is envy. Mm -hmm. It is there. It's ugly and causes all kinds of other things to happen. How can you defeat envy? By celebrating the joys and successes of your friends and especially your friends' kids. That really does defeat that envy in your heart. That is so powerful. Thank you so much, David. And thank you, Jen. Thank you, listeners. And I hope these Davidisms mean a lot to you. Please, if you'd like to have them in written form, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They're free of charge from my heart to yours. They'll arrive every morning in your inbox at 7 a.m. All I want to do is to help you begin each day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for revival in our city.